Welcome to Joyful Eating. I'm your host, Jules Clancy, a former food scientist and winemaker turned cookbook author and health coach. I've discovered a simple way to have a joyful relationship with food without sacrificing pleasure or my waistline, and I can help you get there too. Listen on to find out how. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Joyful Eating. So today we're going to be talking about my relationship with food. And the story behind this episode is I was actually having lunch with a friend a few weeks ago who's a massive food lover like me. And we're just talking about, you know, food and our health. And she's had some health problems that she's working to overcome as well. And we, yeah, just had this really lovely conversation around our relationship with food and how it's changed and evolved. And I just realized you know, how amazing my relationship with food is these days. And so I thought it'd be fun to do a podcast episode to share that with you. So basically today I'm going to talk about what my relationship with food looks like today. And then I'll talk about my journey to getting here. So a bit of my history with food. Uh, Then I'll share a little bit about my bad habits that I've, I've overcome along the way and the solution, like how I've gone about doing that and really healing my relationship with food. And of course, we'll end off with a key takeaway. So you'll know exactly what you can take from this episode. So What my relationship with food looks like today, and it's really completely peaceful and effortless. Like it really is joyful. So I've always been a huge food lover. I love everything about it. I love planning. I love shopping for food. I love talking about food. I love reading books, you know, everything. And so food brings so much joy to my life. And I'm so, so grateful that I have that. Um, So these days, you know, I naturally stop when I've had enough. So, you know, I let my body tell me how much to eat instead of trying to micromanage things with my brain. So I don't weigh things. I don't count calories. I don't count carbs. I don't count anything. Like I really just listen to my body and what and use that to guide me in my choices around food. So I prioritize good food and eating proper meals and snacks. So these days I eat mostly low carb because really I feel better when I do that and it's better for my blood sugar as well. But I'm really internally driven by my food choices. So like on the surface, if you look at what I choose to eat, some people might look at that and think, oh, it's very restrictive. You know, she doesn't eat bread, she doesn't eat rice, she doesn't eat pasta. I don't think of it that way. And so it's not a drama. Like it's actually, this is how I choose to eat. So I never think, you know, I miss bread or I miss pasta or it's not fair. I can't have ice cream. Cause if I genuinely do want to have those things, which, you know, occasionally I do feel like it, then, you know, I make a plan and I'm really mindful of my portions, but I'm able to enjoy them and not, you know, trust myself not to go mental with them. So it really is like just this ease and this peace in in my food choices, even though, you know, I'm eating quite restrictively to manage my diabetes. Um, so in terms of alcohol, this still freaks me out. Like I drink about on average, like one glass of wine a week. And cause that's genuinely all I really want. So I really can take it or leave it. And as someone who used to be a winemaker, so I have to pinch myself to believe that that's true. Uh, so I plan our dinners weekly, usually on Thursday afternoon after I schedule, I have a product called Simple Meal Plan. So after I schedule the meal plans to go out to everyone who's a member of that, I sit down and do my own plan or sometimes I just use the Simple Meal Plans plan for the week. And I usually do my shopping on a Friday or a Saturday and 
What else? Uh, so yeah, I'm totally at my ideal weight and there's like no struggle around managing that at all. Like I feel great in my skin and in my clothes. Um, my HbA1c, which is it's a measure of your blood average blood sugar over the last three months. So my last test on that was 5.2, which is excellent. So no problems at all managing my diabetes. Uh, yeah, my relationship with food really is exactly how I want it to be. It's peaceful. It's joyful. I look forward to meal times. Yeah, I really enjoy my meals, and then it's really easy for me to stop when I've had enough. So it's just like this ease is like how I would describe it. You know, I'm not spending the whole day obsessing about what I can and can't eat. I, you know, of course, I do think about the future and I do think about future meals, but it's from this place of you know, fun and joy rather than you know, like this constant obsession um, that you get into when you're, you're restricting. Another thing that's amazing to me now is that last week I had a photography day where I was taking photos and doing video for my blog and my meal planning product. And yeah, I can do a whole day of cooking like nine di- different dishes and photographing them. And I like didn't snack on anything. I would just, you know, stopped and had my lunch and then, you know, got back to work. But I didn't end the day. Like in the past, I would have like, you know, snacked constantly and then ended the day feeling gross and bloated. Whereas, you know, these days I just genuinely like stop and have my lunch and then get back to work. And it's really amazing. Yeah, that's that's in in a nutshell of what my relationship with food looks like today. I'm so grateful that I've done the work that I've done to get to this place because it's such an important part of my life. But my journey to get here, <laughs> grab a cup of tea, this could take a while. So I guess I started in childhood, I was really lucky that my mother was an excellent role model. So she wasn't someone who'd struggled with her weight and she you know, was really big on, we, we ate proper meals, we'd sit down, if we were having afternoon tea or having snacks, we would sit down, like we weren't just walking around the house you know, eating randomly. And I guess that that set me up really well in my for my younger years. And I was also really lucky I wasn't overweight at school. In fact, I had the other problem. I was quite thin and the boys used to, the boys, I went to a girls boarding school and the boys at the boys school used to call me Skeletor, uh, which wasn't very nice. But anyway, I lived to tell the tale. Uh, so that was, yeah, childhood, pretty easy relationship with food. And then when I was in my 20s, you know, gained some weight when I went to college or uni, as we call it here in Australia, which living on beer and toasties, uh, toasted sandwiches, you know, that, that, will, that will happen, of course. And you know, it wasn't this big deal, but weight started to become something that was on my mind. And especially when I was, you know, left uni and I started working in the food industry, I was working on Pop-Tarts for Kellogg's, like developing new Pop-Tarts and, you know, it just it was around food a lot. It started to become more of a struggle. And then I went backpacking in my 20s and, you know, of course gained a lot of weight then as well. Then in my 30s, I actually had a career change and I was winemaking. So that was very, very physical work. So I was eating mountains of food. I had huge muscles. And actually at that point, because I was doing so much activity, like I was just, you know, eating for fuel. It was great. Uh, But then in my early 30s, my uh, first marriage um, broke down. And so that was a really difficult time. And that's when I started using food to cope and started some emotional eating. So, and I used to actually, one thing I learned from winemaking was how to spit things out. And so I started to, I would eat when I was doing my binging, I would binge and then I would spit the food out, which is really gross. But anyway, it is what it is. Uh, And I was also drinking a lot back then. And, uh, but then, you know, 
got through that. <laughs> and then as my emotional life got better, so the emotional eating improved, but it was still there. And it was like this habit that I had, uh, but it wasn't as bad as it was um, in, in the thick of things there. And so then I ended up um, leaving winemaking, going back to working in the food industry. And I was working for Arnott's, which is a big cookie company and being around, I was actually on the chocolate team. So working on developing new Tim Tams, which was a you know, for some, it was an amazing job, uh, but I was still had this habit of you know, restricting and just and spitting out a lot because I was just around chocolate all day, basically. So it wasn't ideal. Uh, but then I met my Irishman, and then when I was thirty eight, we decided to start a family. So. I, um, you know, I actually knew that I had PCOS, uh, but I started on this like journey of eating in a more healthy way and just becoming more aware of my food choices on my cycle and from a fertility perspective. So I kind of got into uh, the paleo diet was the first thing and that really helped getting my cycle more regular. And then I kind of progressed with that into eating low carb, which helped even more. Uh, and in my 40s, I had my first pregnancy and I uh, ended up gaining 25 kilos. <laughs> Everyone thought I was having twins, so that wasn't wasn't so great. But healthy baby and big baby, uh, and you know, managed to lose the weight fairly easily by eating mostly low carb. Because I was ha- so happy in myself, my relationship with food improved. So that kind of emotional eating, binging, spitting out stuff wasn't really. It kind of just took a back seat, I think. And that was just because, you know, my emotions were in a better place. Then with my second pregnancy, I actually got diagnosed with gestational diabetes. So then I was much stricter on the low carb with that. And I gained much less weight and again, lost it easily and kind of got into a fairly good place with that and was able to, you know, look after my blood sugar by just eating low carb. So that was pretty good. And my weight, you know, was, was okay. And I was relatively happy with it, but it was still this struggle. Like it was still something that I had to work out that moves on nicely to our bad ha- the bad habits. And the kind of key ones that I have was just picking when I'm cooking, like just snacking in the kitchen and then you know, overeating at mealtimes, particularly on the weekends. Um, and then I would, you know, do some fasting to get back on track, but it was kind of this cycle of not, you know, not a great thing. And then I was still occasionally doing the binging and spitting out, but yeah, much, much less, but it still was there. Um, so that brings us nicely to the solution. So I started working first on my alcohol, I think was the biggest thing and like planning ahead and I actually have a separate podcast episode on that journey and how, how I came to be in this magical place with alcohol where I can take it or leave it. So if you're interested in that one specifically, that episode's called Booze Hound. So check that out. Uh, and on the food front, so interestingly, I was actually working with a business coach and she was teaching me the importance of mindset and your thoughts in terms of creating uh, results. And I decided to try applying the same principles to my relationship with food. And I really started just paying attention to my thoughts and, the, you know, that self-talk in the moment, like that chatter. And that was really key. So I found that by really like starting to tune into what I was telling myself, I was able to start changing some behaviors. And the first one of that was like picking when I was cooking. So for example, a good example of that is you know, when I'm cooking, if I was starting to think oh, I'm so hungry, I really want to eat this, you know, it's, it's really hard to stop yourself from picking and snacking if you're telling yourself I'm so hungry and I want this or I deserve this or I need this, whatever. 
But if I started to play around with those thoughts and started to focus on different thoughts, so yes, I am hungry, but I think I can wait. Or, you know, even an even better, more powerful thought that I've discovered recently is, you know, it's better when I wait, then I start thinking about all the reasons why I want to not eat all this food when I'm cooking. So I still want to be hungry when I sit down to my meal. And I'm able to by just changing those thoughts, it actually helps me change my behavior in the moment and really, you know, not snack all the, while I'm cooking and then sit down to a meal and really enjoy it. So that was huge. That, that was kind of the first thing that it were first breakthrough where I really could see that, you know, changing my thoughts and changing my self-talk was the key to changing my behavior. Uh, another thing that really helped me was learning about feeling my feelings instead of buffering with food and you know, coaching helped me with that as well. Uh, and then I also did some, uh, I was wearing a continuous blood sugar monitor and I realized that if I was binging and I was spitting out, I actually did a little experiment with it. Even though I was spitting out, there was still like, still you're still actually swallowing a fair bit of the food. So I realized that it was you know, it's still causing problems with my blood sugar. So I just decided to stop doing that, to stop binging. And my key thought there was, you know, spitting doesn't work. This doesn't work. And I, you know, told my Irishman that I was going to do that. And he helped just, I think, sharing it with someone else helped from an accountability perspective. And, you know, since then I haven't done that, done it again. And then finally, this the final part of the solution happened for me last year. And that was really learning to listen to my body and learn this skill of stopping when I've had enough. So trusting myself that I could do it. I could tune into my body. I could know when I had enough and also that I could manage my self-talk so that I would stop. And that was like the kind of final piece of the puzzle for me to stop overeating and really get to this place where I have a really healthy relationship with food, where it's really easy it's really peaceful. It's really fun, actually. Uh, so it was working on those different things that made a, made a big difference. So that brings us nicely to our uh, the key takeaway for today is that you know I really want you to understand that I'm not a special snowflake. I don't have superhuman willpower or anything like that. And if I can change my relationship with food by changing my mind mindset, I really want you to understand that you can do it too. Like you really can change your relationship with food and heal it. No matter what it's like at the moment, you can improve it and you can get to a place where you, it's exactly how you want it to be. And really it just comes down to learning a few key skills. So this skill of learning to trusting yourself and learning to stop when you've had enough is huge. And then also like just really learning how to change your beliefs about what's possible and also managing your self-talk in the moment. Like that example that I gave with um, snacking when you're cooking. And yeah, so the, the thing I want you to take away from today is that basically you can do this. And then if you'd like my my personal help to get your own relation with food to that sweet spot for you, then I really invite you to join the Naturally Healthy Club, which is my six-month coaching program. So it's a group coaching group. Uh, we enroll twice a year. So if you're interested for more details, you can if you just go to thestonesoup.com and click on the coaching tab, you'll find out all the info there. So have a beautiful week and I will catch you next week. Before you go, this is the best part. So if you enjoyed Joyful Eating, subscribe to the podcast and I'd love to send you a copy of my free cookbook called Six Ingredients 20 Minutes, Simple Whole Foods for Joyful Weeknight Dinners. 
It's full of easy recipes so delicious they'll satisfy even the biggest food snob. Just Google Stone Soup and you'll find it. 